When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hey all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast where we talk about all things Dragon Age lore and fun and even ridiculous. I am one of your hosts known as Austin or Teacup. And I'm Shelby, um, also known as Sheacup and I'm your other host. Yeah. So what are we doing today? Well, we've got another character deep dive coming at us. Woo-hoo. I would make you guess who it is, but you already know who it is. So, well, today we're talking about our favorite demon spirit boy, uh, who we lovingly and affectionately refer to as Cole. And we'll get into why uh, his name may or may not be accurate later, but we'll just, we'll call him Cole for this episode, uh, also known as the companion in Inquisition. All right. You ready for fun facts? Or you got anything to say about Cole before we? No, I'm good. Um, I was just going to ask you if you had any preliminary thoughts about Cole. He's not a character that I dislike uh, for obvious reasons. I think his quest is fine, but he tends, because of my play style, he tends to be a party member who stays at Skyhold for me. Yeah, me too. Um, I will say, though, the past couple playthroughs, I've been bringing him on more missions, like especially whenever I go to the Hissing Wastes and I know I'm not doing a lot of combat, I'll bring him out for um, the banter and dialogue in the background. So I've been enjoying more of that since he just says so many cryptic things that you're like, oh, my gosh that was a Mass Effect reference or, oh, my gosh, that was a KOTOR reference or that was a a not so blind comparison or nod to the end of this game kind of thing so yeah yeah but he tends to be i think he's an interesting character but for me he tends to be kind of underwhelming as a party member like um you mean specifically in combat yeah yeah 
specifically in combat with that, mainly because I typically play an assassin's assassin rogue, so I don't need an assassin rogue. Yeah, you never really need more than one rogue. <laughs> um, That's true. But anyway, so yeah, let's get into the fun facts. So Cole is a very interesting character and we meet him in Dragon Age Inquisition as one of our party members, but he also makes an appearance as one of the main characters in the book Asunder. Cole also appears to be human and at some points even believes that he is human. In reality, though, Cole is a spirit. Some people in the party and throughout Skyhold, I'm sure, see him as a demon Um, But he is a spirit, and specifically, he is a spirit who is caught somewhere between the world, the the living world, and the Fade. Yeah, and so I, when, so I read Asunder, like, way before even DAI came out. And so I did not put together, really, because I didn't really pay attention to the War Table missions, when I was playing through Inquisition, I did not put together that Cole was the person from Asunder. So you you did not like get the war table missions where you can rescue Cole's friends and like mm-hmm. save them from the Red Templars and all that kind of stuff. No, because I didn't really like I am infamous for having like a extremely minimalistic playthrough the first time I do a Dragon Age game. Infamous is definitely a word that you could use. But who knows? I might do something different because I had like a maxed out playthrough of Assassin's Creed Valhalla the first time I went through. Like I did everything. But you've only played that game once. Yeah. So that's my point. Anyway. Um, so in Cole, we essentially have two characters in one who have merged into one being. So we have the spirit of compassion and that's really Cole's essence. And on the other hand, we have a human mage who became an apostate who is named Cole. The human mage has since died and the spirit became like corporeal, like with a body as they merged together into one person. Does that even make sense at all? Yes, to me it does because I think that's what happens to Justinia but for some reason she's more trapped in the fade than Cole is like in Inquisition Mm -hmm. that's interesting I don't think it's really Justinia you really think it's her but like you're entitled to your opinion you know we're getting into like the ship of Theseus argument by your argument is Cole really Cole right the answer I think is no he's not which is why I said which is why I said earlier in the episode that Cole is not really his name, but we'll call him Cole because that's the only name he has. That's part of why his whole arc in the in the storyline is a really one of identity, you know, of figuring out what he is, not not exactly who he is. Like normally we would think of identity crises, but he's figuring out what he is. Is he a spirit? Is he a human? Is he a mage? Is right. he something else? What the heck? And that's what his whole side quest is about. Well, it's interesting when you compare like someone like Cole or what we encounter in the Fade with Justinia to something like uh, Anders with Justice or the other. Well, even when Justice Justice possesses a corpse, too. Mm -hmm. So we have three instances of spirits taking the form or somewhat possessing of a corpse. Okay, so what are those three? Justice in Awakening. 
Justinia in the Fade and Cole. And we have Wynn. But Wynn's still alive. So like, I put Wynn in the category with Anders. Yes. Whereas Cole and Justinia and Justice from Awakening are possessing humans who are no longer alive. Right. But I'm just saying Wynn is another example. And so it's interesting to me because with the Fade Spirit, she has a very under, like big understanding of her purpose, whereas Cole does not. Like Cole is confl- like conflicted and doesn't really know what he's supposed to do. So it's interesting to me because I feel like even though the real Cole, spoiler alert, is dead, there's still an essence of his personality in the, in like whatever the Cole and Inquisition is. I think that's accurate. I also think some of these differences can be chalked up to, and maybe this is a little like metagaming, I don't know, but I think that this can be chalked up to like, there are, these are different types of spirits possessing bodies. Like, Justice, the spirit of justice, is a different type of spirit than the spirit of Cole, which is a spirit of compassion. Right. And it makes me wonder, like, do spirits navigate in and try to find places where what they embody is most prevalent? I don't know the answer to that question. I I think it would depend on the spirit. Um, but I, I would be, if I was a spirit, I would be drawn to places where there is not what I am the spirit of and that therefore I need to provide that. Do we know how justice gets to Anders? Um, I think we know. I just don't remember. Okay. Well then that can be for an Anders episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get back to the fun facts. So, um, this kind of is, is related to the conversation though. So If you've ever noticed, have you ever noticed what happens when Cole goes into stealth mode? It's different from what happens when other mate or other rogues go into stealth mode. So when Cole enters stealth, he turns a translucent green with like wispy curls inside, like a wraith or even a fade rift. This is very different, significantly different from other rogue characters who basically just turn into like a shimmering outline that's that's like a white outline while they're in stealth. So this is basically alluding again to the fact like, oh, you're from the fade. You're a spirit. You're different from everyone else. Right. I just thought that was a really interesting touch and a really small touch that like if the writers or, or animators or whomever made that decision uh, skipped over that, I don't think it would be missed. Um, but it, it's a really minute detail that I think does have a lot of meaning. Yeah. And like they didn't really need it to like tell us what Cole is, because if you side with the Templars, you basically know what he is from right yeah. away. So um, when you speak to Cole and Skyhold, he often will just say very cryptic things. And I think this is part of the reason why some people don't like him, because he can be confusing and he does say things that you're like, I have no flipping idea what you're talking about. Um, but a lot of his lines, they either reference events in the game or they reference um, other plot points from other Bioware games or like from Mass Effect or KOTOR, like I already mentioned, or even like from pop culture. So Cole is kind of like the gateway or the writing device by which the writers input a lot of like outside references 
and also inside references, things they're trying to hide from us. Example, the Eggman. It's interesting because they're not the first video game to do that. The Elder Scrolls has a very famous, very beloved character that's in a lot of games. He's called Maik the Liar. And you can go and talk to him and he basically makes a bunch of comments about stuff that's been pulled from the Elder Scrolls forums, other things like that. Like there was one time like in Oblivion, people were like, why are there no dogs? Where are the dogs in Oblivion? Like there were wolves, but there were no dogs. And Maik says in his thing, who needs dogs? Maik is a, is a cat, like he's a ch- Khajiit. And he's like, who needs dogs? Dogs chase cats, dogs are bad. Like those kind of things. Right, right. Yeah, so very much of that like genre of character. Cole's greatest fear is despair, actually, which I think makes total sense. And this leads me to the conclusion that that the opposite of a spirit of compassion would be a despair demon. Right. Because my like me, Austin, in the work in the year 2022, I would think the opposite of despair would be hope. I see that. I see that too. Which it could be more than one thing. Yes. And I think we're going to get into that in a few weeks with our upcoming demons and spirits episodes, because um, there are going to be more of one type than there are of the other. We'll just say there's going to be more spirits, I think, than there are demons. So there's, there's some that definitely have to, to double up. And I would say that probably if you really want to get like philosophical or ethical or whatever you want to call it, the opposite of compassion is apathy. So most people in Skyhold cannot see or hear Cole and they don't remember meeting him, which is, I think, one of the reasons why he, we never see him anywhere besides um, in cutscenes. We do see him out and about places, but other than that, we never see him like having left his area above the bar. Okay, so let's get into Cole's like basic history. Um, I'm, I'm gonna split this up into two sections. Um, and, and so the first section is material that comes from Asunder. And the second section is gonna be material that comes from Inquisition. So let's dive into Asunder first since it takes place before Inquisition. So Asunder is where we learn about Cole as we know him, like as how, as we know how he came to be. Um, Asunder is where we first meet Cole. Um, The real human mage Cole, so pre-spirit Cole. So this is a little bit of trigger warning that I just want to make sure everyone's aware of before I get into this material. There is um, a story of abuse So if you, if that is a trigger for you, I just want to make sure you're aware for the next probably two to three minutes um, that, that, that we'll be talking about abuse, specifically family abuse um, and homicide. So when Cole was about 12 years old, his father attempted to kill him um, and, and his father had already killed his mother and Um, He wanted to kill Cole because he thought, believed that Cole had evil in him. And and that evil, as we can assume from the book, is being a mage. Uh, Cole hid from his father with his younger sister, Bunny. And Bunny, the sister, was crying a lot. And Cole was trying to keep her quiet. 
and he accidentally killed his sister in trying to keep her quiet um, and hidden from their father, who he was, you know, afraid of, of was trying to kill them. So this is just massive amounts of trauma, right? Like massive amounts of trauma right from the get-go. Um, so Cole later kills his father um, by sinking a dagger into his heart. The dagger had originally belonged to his mother and was kind of like the only heirloom that she had. And this heirloom came from his mother's family and they were all like wild people of Orle, like kind of the indigenous tribes of Orle. To me, the, the wilder folk or whatever, they remind me of the chastened. Yeah, that could be too. That could be too. Um, it, it is unclear. And that's part of having material that comes from a novel instead of like the in-game sources. But anyway, so, right. so either way, um, Cole has all these experiences of trauma. And eventually, by the time he, you know, kills his father, eventually the human Cole has befriended a spirit of compassion. And this spirit helps him from time to time and stayed with him as a friend almost. And this is when the two characters begin to merge. This is when they begin to combine in personality and body, all of that. They haven't, they haven't finished combining into one body totally yet. That happens later, but this is when they start. So after he kills his family, Cole um, is found by Templars and taken to the White Spire, the Circle in Valroyo, and he was imprisoned in their dungeons. Later, um, the spirit Cole remembers that he suffered beatings and, quote, worse than beatings at the hands of the Templars. So when the human Cole arrives at the White Spire, paperwork and inquiries are supposed to be filled out. But somehow in the shuffle, part of the paperwork was filled out incorrectly by a Templar. And this resulted in the human coal being placed in a remote cell, like in the bottom of the spire and being forgotten about. And so as a result, the human coal dies in the dungeons of the white spire. The Templar whose fault this was, was racked with guilt and was never the same. But the Knight Commander, Knight Commander LaRoche, did not punish the Templar and hid all evidence of the human Cole's existence in the White Spire. Unable to help the human Cole, this now deceased human Cole, the spirit instead became him, which means the spirit gained his personality and his memories upon his death and became corporeal in the process. It's interesting because when I think about like Cole's powers, his powers are to say whatever someone needs to hear at the moment when they have compassion. They can, he can impart either hope or I think in a way he could take hope away if he so chose, but he doesn't. This compassion and comfort drives him. And so part of the reason that the spirit does this is, this is my headcanon. I think the human Cole, when he was dying there alone and forgotten, he was just like, I don't want anyone to forget me. I don't want to be forgotten. I don't want to die here. No one knowing about me. And I think that the spirit was like, this is what I can do. 
to put you at ease to be have compassion is to become you and ensure that you aren't forgotten. But it's a weird way because people forget him when he, after he talks to them, save for a couple people, but we'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we first encounter Cole as the ghost of the spire. No one can see him or remember him as to your point, except for someone named Reese, who we've talked about before in a few episodes. Reese goes on to form a friendship with Cole over the course of like a year. Cole is um, also a murderer. who uh he's basically been like stalking the hallways um and like killing apprentices and newly arrived mages in in an effort to prevent them from becoming tranquil or to prevent them being executed by templars and so he sees this as this is better for them to die in this way than for them to suffer tranquility or be killed cruelly. So for him, this is a better way of dying. And so in that way, it's an act of compassion. And so he does these killings. He calls them mercy killings. And they're always people who do wish for death. So he's not just doing it like out of the blue, out of nowhere. And he also knows that these people are the only ones who can see him and remember him. So if they're about to die, it doesn't matter if they remember him. Right. It's interesting to me because like it shows us that spirits, it's not spirits good, demons bad. Like that's not, it's not a black and white thing. Like there's a reason that the circles both in Tevinter and the rest of Thetis have kind of like the like, be wary of spirits. I mean, really just the Avar are the ones who are like, yeah, get possessed. Right. (laughs) Right. No, I think you're right. I do think it is much more complex than just good versus bad. Um, I think it's much more like demons bad spirits in the gray area um, is probably a more accurate descriptor for them. But if you are interested in more of Cole's story, you can read Asunder for yourself. You can also listen to some of our other episodes that highlight side characters from this book. These episodes are The Seekers of Truth, Vigils, Secrets, and Tranquility, or The Circle of Magi, Rebellion, Reformation, Demonic Possession, and Chantry Politics. And those, both of those episodes are from our season two. So Cole does a lot of other things in Asunder, but I just wanted to give you guys like the basic arc of what happens in that and also explain like who and and what Cole is, because I think a lot of people don't know what he actually is. So That's everything through Asunder. Austin, do you have anything else to add? I would just say like Asunder is probably on some of my most recommended reading list just for what it adds to the story. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you really want to understand like the in between Dragon Age 2 and the start of Dragon Age Inquisition, Asunder is the book to read. Asunder and the Masked Empire are both high on the list for that. Yes. Um, and I just think that because Asunder is the beginning of the Mage Rebellion, and there's so many, there are so many things that are happening in that book all at once. You have this Cole story, you've got what's happening with the, you know, the College of Ma- like the Circles and mm-hmm. what the Enchanters are doing and 
all the stuff with Lord Seeker Lambert. Yeah. So are you ready for our break? Yes, I am. All right. Enchantment? Enchantment! You need me. Ugh. I am yours as always. Hello, and welcome to The Break, the middle of the show where we talk about all things that do not have to do with the lore of Dragon Age, but do have to do with the Dragon Age Lorecast, the podcasting show. And so the first thing we like to do here is we love to thank our patrons and for their support and everything. We really appreciate all our patrons who are here to support us. And if you want to join that group, uh, you can sign up at any tiers. Uh, They have awesome benefits. Last week we did our patron episode, which is for the first Enchanter tier and above. It's really great. We love having those conversations. We love and we love the support and we do this because we love it. But you can find that link in the episode description. And I think we're ready to read our patrons. Yeah, we are. So our first patrons are Lisa M, Genesis, Derek B, and Zuba. They were our first few patrons and we are so thankful for their support. We're so, we're so thankful for all of your support too. Um, and if you want to become our next patron and join us on the patron chat or even just vote on the patron chat topics, um, we'd love to have you. Um, the link to our Patreon is in the in the description of this episode. Yeah. Um, another great way to support us if you can't support us financially or some other reason or you just want to support us in a different way, you can leave us a review or rating on Spotify and Apple. If you leave us a review with words, that's five star, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. We do not have a review to read today. And so the last thing that I want to tell you about is to join our Discord, to come and hang out with us at the Cups Podcasting and more. Uh, We come and talk about all our podcasts, the Holocron Histories, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. That's the place for it. If you want the news about that podcast and you want to be the first people that get that news, that Discord server is for you. You can find the link in the episode description. You can also join us on the Robots Radio Discord, which is part of the podcast network that we are a part of. Uh, You can join us there and talk to us in the Dragon Age channel or find another podcast that you like to listen to. There are tons of video game podcasts across the entire network. If you love a video game, odds are we've got some type of podcast about it. And so you can join us by finding the link in the episode description. If you want to share us any of your protagonists from the games, your heroes, your hawks, or your heralds, you can drop them in our Discord or reach out to us on Twitter and share your share your protagonists and we'll read them on the show. So that's all I got. You got anything? That's everything. All right, well, let's get back to it. Well, that was uh, Orlesian. Dareth Shiran. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. Okay, so let's move on to Inquisition. So as most of us know, Cole is a potential companion in Dragon Age Inquisition, and he does seek out the Inquisition. He is not one that you have to go and find. So Cole has a couple different options depending on your choices. So if you recruit the Templars, Cole is going to have more of a story. So I'll start with that one. So Cole uh, first appears at Theronfall Redoubt, which is the Templar headquarters, to help the Inquisitor escape a demon of envy. It is here that he helps the Inquisitor 
that Cole helps the Inquisitor fight against the NB demon, both out of the nightmare that the demon has placed them in and upon returning to the real world. So once the Inquisition returns to, to Haven, Cole will suddenly appear on the table in the war room, stating that he has followed the Inquisitor back and that he wants to help the Inquisition. Um, obviously, your party is very startled. I think Cassandra even calls him a demon at this point, which like, honestly, if I was a Templar or seeker and like this was happening in front of me, I think that would probably be my reaction too. You can either choose here to recruit him or permanently throw him out of the party. And so those are your two options. So if you, on the other hand, recruit the mages, Cole turns up in Haven to warn the Inquisition about the coming attack from the Red Templars and Corypheus. And then once you get to Skyhold, you can determine whether or not you're going to recruit him there. So his story is a little bit different, but either way, he desperately wants to help the Inquisition. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those points where I feel like Inquisition doesn't utilize like swearing as much as it would because like I feel like if a demon showed up at the war table, like all of them, we would have to like, if we had that scene on this podcast, we'd have to like bleep the whole thing out. It would be like watching Gordon Ramsay in Hell's Kitchen when it's just like bleep, 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 bleeping, bleeping, you son of a bleep, bubba bleep, you know, like. You know, Varric throws around some creative, like, lore-friendly, like, curses or whatever. My personal favorite is, has to do with Andraste and some of her body parts, but I'm not going to say it because this is a family-friendly podcast. Uh, It's as family-friendly as you can when you're talking about an M-rated game. That's fair. Yeah. So, no, that's accurate. That is very accurate. If I was there, I would be like, I would I would have some words. So, anyway. Notably, the characters, the other companions, have some opinions, trademark, opinions TM, about the spirit Cole. For example, Vivian absolutely despises Cole and does not want him in the Inquisition at all, even trying to to get the Inquisitor to expel him. She also frequently refers to him as a demon and even just refuses to talk to him at all. And I think she is the most extreme in terms of her opinion on Cole. Cassandra, on the other hand, she definitely has questions about his nature. She does call him a demon a few times in the beginning, and and she does advise the Inquisitor not to, to let him join the Inquisition out of an abundance of caution. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Solus and Varric very much defend Cole and, and want him to be part of the Inquisition. So it's definitely a mixed bag. I think Sarah is another one that's probably like, oh, magic. No, thank you. Um, and Blackwall, I think Blackwall also defends him, although I can't remember that off the top of my head, just to guess. So the party is very mixed on their welcome or not welcome of Cole. Right. And that's so interesting to me because like Varric and Solus do welcome Cole, but they both have very different approaches to Cole. Yeah, which we'll get into when we talk about a side quest. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting right. to me because I don't really picture Varric and Solus having like anything in common or even like really agreeing on anything. You know that scene, this is a little bit of tangent, but you know the scene in Game of Thrones when Tyrion goes back to Winterfell 
and he has he gives like the special saddle to Bran so he can ride horses. Yeah. So in that, Rob Stark is basically just like, why are you doing this? You're a Lannister. Like our families hate each other. And Tyrion says like, I have a soft place in my heart for, you know, cripples, uh, bastards and broken things. And I think that's Varric. 100%. Just he has compassion for just people who are either lost or needing to find their way. And yes, so I think I- that's probably what Varric sees in Cole. I I think that's one of the reasons why people love Varric so much. That's definitely one of the reasons why I love him so much. Let's get back to Cole. So when Cole moves into the Inquisition, when he joins the party, he moves to the top floor of the tavern, the Herald's Rest, and he begins doing some odd things, such as hoarding daggers and burning turnips, But if the Inquisitor listens to more of his conversations and basically like it doesn't tell him to stop doing these things, it is revealed later on that all of these random things that Cole is doing are his ways of helping people. So specifically with the turnips, I can't remember exactly how it goes. So somebody can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the burning of the turnips produces such a strong smell that it overpowers another smell that a suffering person like can't get out of their of their nose of of what they're remembering and so the turnips the burning turnips helps overpower that and helps them forget about that pain that painful memory so that's a way that cole is helping them yeah it's also inconvenient for everybody else right um but i think the point of that is that sometimes it is inconvenient to help other people Sometimes it is hard to help other people. And I think we should, should be making those, those inconveniences. But that is my opinion. So that's Cole's way of helping people. It's solid. I think that's interesting because and it just shows that sometimes people can't see what you're trying to do as help. And yeah, I mean, there's a fine line of like judging of like what you think is helping and what is actually helping. But it's very relatable with Cole. Yeah, it also helps that Cole, like, kind of has omniscience, so he knows what he's doing will help them. He's not just guessing like we would be. Right. At Cole's, like, core, his innermost desire is basically that he's searching for his identity. He's searching for his place in the world. He wants desperately to be an ally to those who wish to help others And he desperately wants to help others. So if you make choices where you're not helping others, Cole is going to get mad at you and he uh, will definitely disapprove. And if his disapproval gets too high, he will be found outside Skyhold and he'll basically confront the Inquisitor about not caring about people. And um, then he will use his ability to make people forget about him, to make the Inquisitor forget about him. And that's how he leaves the Inquisition. I've never had that happen to me in a playthrough. So, but that that's what happens. Me either. Mainly because I just tend to like help people. Like that tends to be my gut reaction when playing Inquisition. Yeah, me too. Origins is the only one where I'll be like, <laughs> let's be evil. But Yeah, I don't know what it is about that game. <laughs> I don't either. But like, I like... There's so much in in Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition where like 
it's such real suffering that like you can't deny I find it difficult to like suspend my like actual humanity at that point yeah. whereas yeah. origins like everything's kind of goofy and you can be like well like I can suspend that yeah and I think the time like the blight itself is so fantastical to us that it's easier to think like oh okay well this isn't a real place this is fantasy and it is um but I think you're right in that the other games just feel more like real like our our world okay so something else that I wanted to talk about is Cole um, being autistic coded. And this isn't something that I had really heard of before I started doing research, but they're actually like a pretty significant population of people in the Dragon Age community who see uh, Cole as autistic coded or even just as autistic in the game. I think that this is an accurate representation of who Cole is. And I do personally like this. I think that I think that representation of, of everyone and every group is important. And I think this is like one type of representation that we almost never see in video games. So I think some of the ways that Cole is portrayed as autistic include his mannerisms. He gestures a lot with his hands while speaking, and he almost never makes eye contact. He also has a very deep level of empathy. He is so empathetic and understanding even when he doesn't understand why someone is feeling that emotion. I think in my experience, I've worked with some children who do have autism and I think this is really reflective of um, autistic people. Even, even if they don't understand the social cues and nuances behind emotions and conversations, they still have a tendency to be very empathetic and very aware that someone is upset and Cole is the same exact same way. I think definitely there is a lot of that. And there's several conversations with other party members. I'm thinking particularly of like the one with Dorian about his father with where Cole is kind of asking questions. And it's very much like, a, like, well, this is what you say. And like, not really understanding the like subtleness of it. I definitely see the autistic coded thing at that. I think there's there's a really big myth for people who are not autistic who believe that people who are autistic don't feel feelings. And that's just not true at all. And Cole I think is a really good representation of yes, people with autism do absolutely feel feelings so much more sometimes than neurotypical people. And I think that that is so um, good because it, it really would be easy for a person to have like an autistic representation who's just like, I don't care about feelings, like kind of that straight faced kind of character. So I think that that is a really good aspect of his, of his writing for sure of Cole's writing. Right. And I think that the importance of this is that he is like the embodiment of compassion and caring for other people. And so I think that's important for mm -hmm. getting rid of the stigma. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's move on a little bit into his companion quest. So after the Inquisition confronts the Grey Wardens, Cole begs Solus to bind him. 
in order to prevent him from being controlled like the demons in Adamant Fortress. Solus refuses and instead proposes that the Inquisitor obtain a Ravani amulet that protects spirits from being controlled through blood magic. Once the amulet is retrieved, Solus finds that something is blocking its magic from affecting Cole. Varric claims during this that it's because Cole is no longer a spirit, but he's a person. Cole then senses the location of the thing that's preventing the amulet from working. When the Inquisitor Cole Solus and Varric all reach the location. They find that it is the Templar who has left the original Cole to die in his cell in the White Spire. Cole then goes into a rage and attacks the Templar, chasing him away. Solus suggests that Cole embrace his essence as a spirit of compassion and forgive the Templar, while Varric suggests that Cole face him head on and come to terms with what happened like a human would do. So there are a few options that you can come to. If the Inquisitor chooses to have Cole forgive the Templar, Solus advises Cole to feel the Templar's regret for his actions. Cole does forgive him and then takes his pain away by making him forget. Now that Cole accepts him as a, himself as a spirit of compassion, the amulet protects him from being bound or controlled by others. He feels everyone's pain, but he can he can still approach them unseen and whisper soothing words to them to ease their pain. On the other hand, if the Inquisitor chooses to have Cole confront the Templar, when Varric and Cole confront the Templar, Varric gives his crossbow to Cole so he can execute him. Cole pulls the trigger but doesn't fire a bolt. Learning from Varric that killing the Templar won't make his pain go away, Cole then tries to make the Templar forget, but Varric stops him, telling both Cole and the Templar that they need to remember what happened. Solus says the amulet will never work on Cole, and Varric insists it is because Cole is now more human and is no longer vulnerable to being controlled. Cole retains his skills and can still feel people's pain, albeit less loudly and more easily drowned out by his own pain. But he can now be seen and remembered by people and begins to feel things he had never felt before. He is also more aware of the complexity of human nature and is able to remember things that he's done in the past. By becoming more human, he loses the ability to make people forget him as well. And then finally, if Cole was encouraged to work through his feelings with the Templar, he, um, Cole will basically tell the Inquisitor the tale of how he met the mortal Cole and how the forgotten apostate's last words to him as a spirit were thank you for holding his hand in his final moments. Alternatively, if Cole's personal quest has not been completed, Cole will state that the memory of being unable to help the mortal Cole weighs on him and keeps him there. Whether or not the Inquisitor encourages Cole to forget the human Cole, Cole will never be able to forget him. So I have an interesting thought about this. So my point about this is it's interesting because most of the companions, most of their side quests come after you do the Grey Warden quest and 
the Winter Palace quest. But Cole's comes only after the Grey Warden quest. You just have to do the Grey Warden quest. And this is interesting to me because in Asunder, part of that story is that when Shale, Reese, Adrian, and Cole, and Evangeline all go to Adamant to rescue Fairmont, that's where he is. Um, And there are all kinds of demons there. And they basically like have taken over, demons have taken over Adamant and possess the bodies of all the people that lived there and Cole sees all of that and he is terrified and it's it's traumatic for him so it's interesting to me that this side quest pops up after he goes back to adamant because it's bringing up all of his past trauma and I think again that's a really good touch a small tiny thing that would have been easy to to look over for sure but it makes total sense that Cole would be so wrapped up in his own personal trauma of all the things that he's gone through specifically at adamant um, but also with other demons that that this would pop up as soon as they get back from this quest and here's another thing about it, at least for Cole, is like it's even more amplified because most spirits' greatest fear is being bound and not being able to move freely. Right. But Cole wants to be bound. Right. After Adamant. Yeah. He doesn't want to yeah. be a demon. And I think that's part of the compassion spirit being like, I don't want to be used to hurt people. 100%. Okay, so I saw this on Twitter. Um, According to Patrick Weeks, who was Cole's writer, there is no win option in this quest because either choice has both positive and negative aspects. As a spirit, Cole is happier and more at peace, and yet he loses parts of himself. But if he's more human, he is less happy, but he's far more relatable. And this was basically done to, to demonstrate that there's, there's not a right or wrong decision because this is an ambiguous decision. This is a complex decision. This is not something that's ever going to have a right answer. Right. I think that the right answer, and it depends on what type of Inquisitor you're playing. Yeah, and I agree. that Inquisitor's relationship to Solus. Oh, interesting. Say more. Because I think if you're romancing Solus, or even if you're a, particularly an elven mage who is really like befriending Solus, if not romancing him, Solus is your authority on demons and spirits. He is your authority on the Fade. You don't think there's anyone who knows more about it than he does. So his suggestion is going to have more weight to it. Right, like, why wouldn't you listen to him? Whereas, you know, if you don't, you might side with Varric and say, like, well, Solus seems to have this ulterior motive, and so I might lean with Varric. I do think that both of them are trying to do what they think is best with Cole. And I don't think Solus, even with all his history, I don't think he has some ulterior motive here, because he's nicer to spirits than he is to the people in the actual, in the material world. Right, exactly. Um, And so I think that he is trying to help Cole because he wants to help Cole. But I also come to a point really in here is be like, I don't know what Cole wants. I have a hard time deciding like, what does, what do I feel like Cole actually wants? I, I usually, usually make him more human because I think that that's what he wants because that's what all spirits want. 
and not necessarily more human, but more real in this world. They want to be part of the living world because they want to feel emotions. They want to help people. They want to be in our world or in the world of Thetis. They don't want to be in the fade. And that's just like a basic desire of all spirits. But I think it's especially true for Cole. I also do the, I mean, I get the argument for keeping him more of a spirit, um, but my inquisitors usually make him more human. I tend to make him more human for the most part, um, mainly because I think that Varric, while Solus might be an expert on the fade and everything, Varric is an expert on trauma. Oh, and yeah. And I think Varric himself, especially depending on how you handle the Bartran quest, isn't has very like wise experience on how to deal with trauma and how to let go because yeah. Eric knows if you hold on it eats you away but i also think that experience breeds understanding and understanding breeds compassion and how can a spirit of compassion really know what needs to be said to people who live in the material world to humans to elves to the mortals of thetis if they aren't one if they don't have the experience of being one, nothing breeds understanding like experience and actually experiencing something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, do you want me to talk about some of his quotes really quickly before we move yeah. on to the final wrap up? So I brought three quotes that I thought were really interesting and none of these are Easter eggs really. So if you want to look up the Easter eggs, you can, there's a crap ton of them. So the first quote, he says, I don't steal the pain. The nightmare demon at Adamant did that. It made them less so it could grow. I helped them heal. The second quote is this. The Inquisition isn't real unless it has something real to make it. It's like a spirit. And then finally, he says to the envy demon, dark and desperate, death to make yourself alive. I used to be like you. I'm not anymore. You shouldn't be either. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> also, I think that like, that's the biggest like slap in the face to the fear demon mm -hmm. of like Cole just being like, yeah, I used to be like you and you're nothing. He basically tells the fear demon that you're nothing. Your path <laughs> leads to nothing. Right. Because then like, what can you say to freak them out more? I don't think there is anything. Right. It's one of my favorite Cole moments. Yeah, I do like that quote a lot. I also really like his quote about the Inquisition because he's so right that it's the people that make this, that this organization great. Like it's the people that make uh, the Inquisition have all these great achievements. It's the people that win the war. It's not just having the titles and all of that. And I think that it comes from a point of like, people aren't following the Inquisition. They're following the Inquisitor and what the Inquisitor does for them in the hope that the Inquisitor inspires in them. Yeah, and they're following their fear of not having a world anymore and doing something to save the world. Like, this is their one way. And so I think that he's right. It's, it's a much more abstract idea, which I think it's like the decision to disband the Inquisition. I think Cole would find it irrelevant. Yeah, I agree with that. I kind of do too. Because um, like, they can think, still do work. Right. You think Liliana, you think Cullen, you think any of these people are just going to stop when they know the world's in danger? Yeah, absolutely. Even though Cullen kind of does. 
but well he has every right to go, to retire yeah he has seen a lot but anyway so let's talk about where cole is now regardless of if he's more more human or more spirit he shows up in trespasser um if he's more spirit he will subtly play matchmaker between Meriden, the bard and Krim. in the end cole will return to the fade because he senses that it will be where he will be most needed to ease pain as a spirit of compassion but he promises his friends in the inquisition that they will never forget him and if Cole is more human, it's revealed that he and Meriden have become a couple. And in the end, the two will travel together across Thetis, where Cole and Meriden work together to ease the pain of many people. You know, now I have a theory. Okay. Because there's this thing of like Meriden, like her songs are so personal mm-hmm. to each character. And, you know, Sarah doesn't have, she's not wrong when she says, you know, that's creepy. What if Cole is the one feeding her the information about all oh, the I party thought, members? I thought you were going to say that Meriden is a spirit. Oh, no, that's not where I was going. I was going um, with Yeah, this. I think that's possible. I think that's hilarious. It would be funny. So we always close these character deep dives um, by answering the question, why do we love or hate this character? So I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Austin. I think that Cole is... I love him as a character, even though I don't bring him out as a party. And I don't always like talk to him through every conversation, though I typically do his side quest. I think that he's an important character for the series because he shows like, I'm just going to call them fade creatures in a different light, in a light that we haven't really seen them in the game. And Inquisition is all about bringing different perspectives into the world of Thetis and changing the lens through which we view these issues that we've always had, whether that's, you know, Vivian, a mage who isn't just like F the circles, you know, or Dorian, who is um, like a magister's son and, you know, or Sarah, who's an elf who hates elves. Just having all those moments of different lenses is what makes Inquisition such an interesting game. And I don't think it would be as interesting without Cole and Cole's story and Cole's perspective. I completely agree with that. Cole, before I did my research for this episode, he was very much a character that I was ambivalent on, like take him or leave him. I didn't really think it mattered much for the story, but I think I've totally changed my mind now. Because you're right, he does give us such an insight into fade creatures that they're not all bad, um, that they're not all evil, and also that we just get to see more of a diversity of them. And again, I think Cole as a as a character is a really good reminder that every issue in Thetis is complex, and there's not usually one right answer. Um, so I do like Cole, and his backstory is so tragic. I know, like every. Every person in this game series has a sad and tragic backstory, but I think Cole's is um, definitely up there with one of the more heartbreaking ones. He's a unique character. I think he opens up a lot of doors, and I hope that we at least get something with him in DAD. Though I can't really decide if DAD is going to be like an ending game or like a beginning of something new game. To be determined. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I do agree with you that he is unique and special. Yeah, I think Cole is a really precious character, too, and one that I want to protect. Yeah, definitely. I definitely can see the argument that, like, 
him not being someone's favorite, I would be wary a little bit of someone who says, oh, I just hate Cole. <laughs> That's um, fair. Just because, like, what does he do? Like, I understand hating Vivian. I understand even hating Dorian or all these other characters because they have flawed categories. But, like, Cole, other than, like, him being cryptic and confusing, he doesn't really do anything that's, like, ugh. Right. Right. That's true. And he's baby. Like, that. that's... Like, he's the baby of the Inquisition. Like, he's the child. Absolutely. Right. There's a childlike innocence to Cole, which I think comes into, like, this spirit in a new experience, kind of, like, innocence and wide-eyed innocence. I think Solus one time says to Cole to be like, go ask your, go ask Varric. He's the one who seemingly adopted you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which I love that. Um, well, that's all I have about Cole, unless you have any other final thoughts. I don't. All right, well, let's wrap this show up. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.